to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. I'm glad you're with me. This is the podcast where we learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. And, you know, it comes from the passage in Luke 5 uh, where Jesus tells Peter, go out into deep waters and cast your nets for some fish. So, uh, and that is quite apropos, that's the right way of saying that, uh, for this episode today because we're really talking about how do you share um, and the specific question is, you know, how do I share with a Buddhist? And the reason this topic came about, uh, one of my Facebook friends that I had the pleasure of spending a week with overseas one time, uh, he texted me this week and he said, hey, uh, my son has some friends that are Buddhist and he's really, you know, do you have some tips to start help him start a conversation uh, to reach him like he's really interested, he, he wants to, he's burdened to it, to reach reach Buddhists, um, which is awesome. That's really great. Uh, I'm really thankful for that young man, and I'm thankful for his dad. I think his dad is a is a really good father. Um, when I spent a week with him, that was uh, one of the things, even though none of his kids were with him, that was one of the things that I kind of took away from him, I think was the joy of being a father. Anyway... Uh, so the question was, how do I share with a Buddhist? And that is a difficult question. You would think living in a country that uh, has a huge Buddhist history with a people group that was Buddhist, is Buddhist, you know, that I'd have this snap decision to it, snap answer. Um, but there's really a lot of, there's like so many nuances to that question. And um, I want to flesh some things out there Uh just to begin with, like like in terms of reaching Buddhists, well, is this a, a Thai Buddhist, a Tibetan Buddhist? You know, what's their country of origin? What style of Buddhism do they practice? How devoted are they? You know, there's like a like a million questions that are there, and there's some really great books out there. Um, depending on like if you're moving to a place like that, and you know that hey, this is my people group, and they're Tibetan Buddhists. You know, there's good books on that that you can really understand and go more in depth there. Uh, but with this young man, like he has some Buddhist friends, but he's in America and he's surrounded by a plethora of friends. I'm assuming uh, this may or may not be true, but I'm assuming his friends are probably American born. Um, they're in ethnic families that are Buddhist, but and they may have moved here, but I'm guessing is that they grew up here. So anyway, like all these different nuances. And so... It, not nothing that would be wrong with him reading a book about Buddhism, um, but then next week when he meets a Hindu friend or a Muslim friend or like you can't you can't spend the time and energy. Not that it would be bad, but practically you're probably not going to for each different friend and each different belief that you have. It's hard, and even if you are a a Buddhist scholar or a Christian who is a scholar on Buddhism. I mean, that's a that's a lifetime of study as well. So let me just put that out there. I want to talk a little bit about my uh, evangelistic journey or my journey and my different views of evangelism. Um, I've always been very motivated uh, for lost people to know Jesus. Uh, it's one of my the core pieces of my identity as a follower of Christ. Um, so when I was a young man, I shared the gospel with people when I was in high school um, I shared the gospel with people and tried to live out my faith. Some of the things um, at that point in time, I had I had a card that I got. I tried some different tracks, 
And uh, they are kind of long and bulky, but I'd seen one, I think I want to say it was at a centrifuge camp. The camp pastor had showed me one or us one that he had used. And it was like a, it was like a business card. It was like one size. It was simple. And it more or less had the Romans road on it where you could like walk somebody, walk somebody through it. So uh, my pastor at the time ordered some for me. I stuck them in my wallet and I used them, you know, I'd, I'd go through them with people and and there was a question that I heard somewhere along the way, and it was like this quintessential, so perfect question that for Americans who had a Christian cultural context, it really drilled down into this, into the heart of things. And in some ways, it was almost like a sales script, if you will. Like it was designed to help penetrate, understand what is what is happening and get to the heart of the matter like instantly. And the question was this question was, and maybe it's still a good question is on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being like 100% certain and one being like, "Mm, probably not. What, what do you think you are? What are your chances of going to heaven? And then, you know, depending on how they answered, you know, there's a response to that. A lot of people that I would I would use this question with would give the answer of a six. I'm probably about a six. And then the follow-up question is, how would you like to make it a 10? And if you come from a Judeo-Christian cultural context uh, and you're not in absolute rebellion against God, uh, theologically you are, but if you're not trying to be actively atheist or, you know, like you have some idea that you that there is a God, you know, you kind of like to please him. That's a, well, yes, I would, there is a heaven and hell. I'd like to be in the heaven, not the hell. That's a question. Yeah. I'm a 10. I want to be a 10. And then I could take them through this, this card. And, you know, I had a number of people that believed. Um, and it was really good uh, in that sense. And at that time, a couple of the problems with that are uh, one, and, and this is, could have been different had I been different, I think. But there was no disciple-making following in on that. Um, of all the different people that I led to the Lord in those years, if they are believer, if they are following God actively today, it is not because of James. Maybe it never was. But I, I didn't disciple them. Let's just say it that way. I, you know, you had made a profession of faith. I probably told you to read the Bible and go to church. Might have invited you to my church once or twice. That was it. That's all you got from me. Um, the other problem, another problem with that question, is that's that's really only for people with the Judeo-Christian cultural context that believe there is a heaven and a hell. So if you use that question with a Buddhist, for example, they're like, uh, what do you mean? Heaven? I don't even want to go to heaven. I want to go to nirvana. And, that, and what is nirvana? That's a whole other question. <laughs> the short answer is it's nothing. So that question doesn't work with them. Um, if you are perhaps talking to uh, an atheist, what is the you know scale of one to ten that you're going to go to heaven? Well, there's a zero because I don't believe heaven exists. Well, how would you like to make it a ten? Uh, I don't believe it exists. Why would I? You know, like it's to them, it's an ir- irrational question. Um, so that's one problem. Another partial problem. Uh, is is this changing of cultures. Like, I think there was a time that you could go knock door to door, and people were open to that. Come knock on the door, they open the door and see what you're up to, and and you could talk. And um, I'm not saying that doesn't work today, but it seems less 
likely. Culture's changed a little bit. That being said, if you went and knocked on some doors, I'm sure you would find some people that were interested in having the spiritual conversation. And maybe it's just a numbers game and you play it and it's good. So if God's calling you to do that, by all means do it. Uh, I think there are some better ways, even if you want to canvas a neighborhood today. Um, probably. So though that was kind of like where I came from. You know, and then I went overseas and tried to learn to share the gospel there. And we'll get into some different things. My current view, when you ask this question, you know, it's like, how do I start a conversation? Or where do I start the conversation with, you know, with a Buddhist, with a Muslim, with a Hindu, with a Mormon, with a Jehovah's Witness? Where One of the two answers, I'm going to give you some answers. The first two are, are tactical, maybe three are, are tactical answers. Um, they're not strategic, but they're tactical. It's like the, sh- the short term. Um, you do it this way right hand here, but it's not a bigger part of the overall strategy. Like the tactics affect the strategy, um, but tactics by itself won't win the battle. They, uh, they won't win the war. They might win that battle. You know, like tactics in, in the military is like, how do you go into a room where there might be enemy soldiers? Like, there's a there's a tactic for how to do that. But strategic is more like where are we putting logistics? How are we getting there? Where are we placing which elements and how are we how are we mixing firepower together with air power together with navy, you know, like these big strategic things. Like you can be really good at tactics, uh, but it only gets you so far. It gets you into the room, it might clear a building, but it probably doesn't take a city that makes sense. So these are tacticals. Um, where do you start? Um, the, f- the first thing is you got to find someone that wants to have a spiritual conversation. Uh, and you can pigeonhole and badger people into a spiritual conversation, uh, but I don't think that works really well. But when you find somebody that is interested or willing to have a spiritual conversation, where do you start? Um, my basic two answers at this point in time, in my understanding, is either you start with Jesus or you start with Genesis, one of the two. Uh, for example, Muslims have, uh, they have Jesus is in the Quran. Where would I start with a Muslim? I'd probably start with Jesus, or Isa, as they would call him. You know, like, let's start here, because it's a common point, um, and I would like to transition into not just this, you know, you've heard of the prophet Isa, I want to tell you more about him, or let's talk about him. Let's read some of his stories. The other one is Genesis. So if you're starting with a Buddhist and you say, Jesus, they're like, who, you know, like you need Jesus. What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Why is it a product? You know, like, like I don't have a context. Who is this, this Jesus guy? Or if you go, you know, to the, uh, indigenous people somewhere that are out out this tribe somewhere they don't have a, a concept they don't, they don't know who jesus is so you have to start in genesis and you tell the stories and you, and you can talk most places that there's some idea of a god that created or a most high god you know that, that somewhere from there you can start from there and begin telling them the stories of genesis and by the time you get to jesus's death and resurrection they know who he is and why they need him um, one of my good friends tells a story. He was in South America, and they would go through these rural villages and tell these stories and, and then come back and tell another story. And there was an old lady there, 
And I believe he said she died before they got to Jesus. But he had said, she told him one time, she said, I think that God is going to send a lamb that's going to take care of it all. You know, and like, she didn't know that was Jesus, but, you know, she was she was putting her face. She believed God was going to send a redeemer and he would make everything right. Because um, they had started Genesis and built this. They they knew. And in that one, they had used this lamb, you know, the different lambs were sacrificed, a sacrificial lamb. Anyway, that's that's where I would start. Some of it in my evangelism training in the past and as a young man, it was really about like get to the gospel and and get to the would you like to believe yes or no, you know, uh, as quick as you can. What I'm finding now with this idea, well, like let's start in Genesis. Well, that's a slow process. And there is a process. There's a, a story called the creation to Christ story. You can Google it. And it's kind of a, a cool 15-minute um, version from Genesis to Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's a good one. I encourage you to go read it. It would probably be good, good summary of you. And sometimes I will do that. But it's still trying to rush into this thing. Like when we're talking about the things of faith, we're talking about something that's like, like some of our most core beliefs. Core beliefs. And there's a lot of places in the world, whether it's Buddhism or, or Islam or whatever, like to be this people group is to believe in this. Um, it's like part of their identity. And so when you're asking someone to change that, 15 minutes is a little shy of the amount of time needed to do that. Now, when God has prepared somebody, uh, somebody has been working and waiting for hearing this message and they're ready, that's awesome. Take it. Um, but often it's not. It's going to be a slower process. And I, I think it's a question of do you want speed or do you want effectiveness? You know, like let's talk about because the Bible talks about uh, becoming a Christian. is like becoming a new person. It's like a new birth. So like if you want a birth— Let's uh, say so you and your wife are married. Uh, she gets pregnant. If what you're trying to get is just a birth, you can get a birth. I'm no doctor, but four or five months. Like you can induce, you can do a C-section. You probably not induce. You can do a C-section, and you can you can take out a live baby. But boy, you got some struggles, right? What's much much more effective is to let the baby grow until, you know, about nine months and the baby is ready to be born. It's matured and, and ready to be born. And that's kind of how I look at the analogy of starting in Genesis. Is like, well, we're starting we're starting at conception and the the belief, the faith is beginning to form and the questions and the worldview and all these things are beginning to form so that when they hit hit Jesus and they come to the point of saying, yes, I do want to believe it. You know, it's like they've been in the womb for nine months. Their arms and legs are developed. Their organs are developed. Uh, they have lungs that are now developed, you know, and they can function outside the womb. They can be born. They still need a lot of nurturing, but they can be born and, and grow up healthily. So, again, man, if, if God gives you a great person and they're ready right then to believe, that's awesome. Then go ahead and disciple them. Uh, but if it's not, don't be discouraged when you start with Genesis with somebody. Uh, 
So if you can get, get to that point, that's a great thing. Um, the secondary uh, tactical thing to do is you start with relationships. So with this young man, uh, these are his friends. I think they play soccer together. So there is a there is a relationship. Now how how deep that relationship is, you know, I don't know in his situation. But what you're trying to do is build a relationship or start a relationship. Sometimes you can do things like uh, the Bible talks in Luke nine and Luke ten about. I think Matthew 10 also about looking for a person of peace. Uh, That's when Jesus is sending out his disciples two by two. And he says, when you find a man of peace, you know, you can go out and and look for somebody who God has prepared to bring the gospel into that. And as missionaries do that, um, you can also go part of the things they do is like, just being spiritual, you know, having, having spiritual and faith things in your conversations, uh, not, hammering people, not always trying to convincing people, but out of an authentic life sharing different things of faith. And when people ask questions or answer questions or respond to that, you know, then you can go a little further. Um, mostly the gospel travels through relationships. Some of the evangelism training that I have had and been under um, has been about going out to the stranger and telling them about Jesus. Um, and there's a book, I should have looked it up, but it's called The Concentric Circles of Evangelism, something like that. If you Google it, you'll be able to find it. If you can't, get a hold of me and we can find it together. Um, but he's talking about like basically the gospel always travels through relationships. And usually the closer the relationship, the quicker it will travel. So, you know, you have you and then you have your immediate family and then you have your super close friends and then you're like, uh, more distant family, and then acquaintances or people you work with, and then acquaintances, people that know you, and then finally on the outside you have strangers, complete strangers. And so much of our evangelism training and mine was about going from circle number one to the very outside circle. Now, in the outside circle, uh, there's not a lot of relationship risk. You know, like you can talk to them, and if they get angry and mad at you, you may feel a little bad, but there's there's no relationship to be lost. So it's easy, emotionally, it's actually sometimes easier to go talk to the people on the outside. But your effectiveness is at the very bottom because they're like, why should I listen to you? On the other hand, when you're talking to your immediate family, your close friends that don't believe, there's some relational risk. What if they get really angry at me and they never, you know, what if this ruins our relationship? Uh, you know, like all number of things that could happen. But the other side... So it's, it's more risky in that sense. But the other side is it's much more effective because they know you. You have a relationship. There's some respect. They already seek your counsel on things, even if it's like, hey, do you think I should go ahead and play soccer this year? Or, what? you know, things they're thinking about. You know, you're talking about these things. There's some concern. And so things of faith can grow as well. So um, using relationships as opposed to like, just trying to share with somebody and be done with them, so to say, or share with them. And if they believe, we'll invite them to church. We're looking to build relationships. That's a lot of what uh, missionaries do. You know, they're, they're casting the seed out a lot of places, trying to see, like, where is somebody interested? But then when they are, they're building relationships in those networks or those areas or these groups of people. And as they're sharing the gospel, their relationship grows and it'll, in a lot of ways, you need, most of the time, you need a good relationship 
in order to help somebody grow, often to help them believe. Um, another good question, good good tactic, and this is something I would refer to this young man. Um, a great place to start is with genuine, sincere questions. Okay, these are not questions that are designed to get you to an opening where you can present the gospel. Um, sometimes that can be kind of manipulative. It's kind of like. I have some questions, and I'm going to ask them, and as soon as I get an opening for the gospel, I'm shooting it through, you know, and I can put a little tick and be like, shared the gospel today. Uh, you can have success that way, but I don't think long-term it's going to be as good. Um, and some, you know, when I think back to the, some of the people I shared with as a young man, Actually, a lot of them I had some kind of relationship with, but I did sometimes go share with like complete strangers, and and that's better than not sharing at all, right? Uh, but I think there can be a better way. One of these ways, especially with friends, you say like, okay, we have this this relationship, but we're never. I just can't get them to talk about spiritual things. Okay, so a couple of different options. One, most most you gotta say like, okay, what level of relationship am I at? Is this a a casual relationship. Like basically all we talk about in this friendship is casual things. Uh, we talk about our soccer team. We talk about sports. We talk about football. We talk about food. We talk about the weather. We talk about insignificant things of life. Sorry, football fans. Or is it a meaningful, like, well, we, t- we, we talk about casual, but we also talk about some meaningful things. You know, what's going on in their family, big decisions, you know, meaningful things. And then some of those relationships where you're trying to get to is like, we also talk about spiritual things, things we're afraid of, things we're concerned about, things of faith. So if you're at at casual friendship, uh, the question might can be, okay, how? what are questions I can ask or when... When can I get a chance? And let's try to move this into a relationship in which we talk about meaningful things also. And some people are willing to it and some people are not. Uh, and the people that aren't, there's not a lot you can do about it. You can try to have some of those meaningful conversations, um, but you can't push people. You know, people, we all know our, we all have our defensive tools, uh, verbal, verbal uh, sparring, so that we don't want to talk about the things people don't want to talk about. Where I was at overseas, it was super common just to ask people how much money they made. In fact, one of my friends said, oh, they definitely ask you how much money you make long before they ask you what your name is. You know, and I don't know where you're from, but where I grew up in northeastern New Mexico, you don't ask people how much money they made. You know, so even that, even though it was common in that culture, especially at the beginning, I learned there's some verbal sparring you can do. Uh, in that culture, you could say, ah, it's a secret and grin, and people would let it go. Or, you know, you, if someone asked you that in America, you might just say, you know, none of your business. You know, you think about some topic that somebody, the, the annoying guy who always brings up this topic that you don't want to talk about, you know, you have a way of sparring. Or if, if you're having a really horrible day and uh, you don't want to lie, but people ask, hey, how you doing? You know, another day, another dollar. You know, what's that say? Well, it says nothing. It says there's another day and another dollar, but, you know, you had a way of getting around it. So if you if people don't want to have a meaningful conversation with you, it's hard to make them. 
Uh, there is a couple of good options, and I'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, so for this guy, we're going to assume this young man, he has some sort of probably meaningful relationship with these these guys and that they sometimes talk about meaningful things. If they don't, that's the first thing. What are the questions I could ask, genuine questions that I'm genuinely interested in knowing that would get me to a meaningful conversation? Uh, it's almost like you think about back when you were dating somebody. Like first you had this girl and you're interested in her. I mean, it depends on how your love story went, but uh, you're interested in her, you know, and, and she agrees to go on a date with you, but you don't know her well. So what do you do? You ask all these questions because you're interested in her. Now, take out the romantic part. We ask these questions because we're interested in them. We're interested, they, these are our friends. We want to know what they think. Um, my good buddy Dave is really good. I always feel about like bringing meaningful questions in. And sometimes he'll start by, He's not afraid to ask a question that makes him look a little dumb, but he's seeking meaningful advice from somebody. And I feel like he I've often been in rooms where he's turned the conversation into meaningful conversations. Um, so let's say you've got that. This young man has it. They're Buddhist, but you'd like to get into spiritual conversations. I would start with asking them questions about what they believe. And again, not from a I'm going to twist this and hammer you with the gospel. But like, I'm genuinely interested. And this is the thing in terms of like, there's all these different books about Buddhism. The best book is probably them. Hey, so tell, you know, what, what do you guys believe? Like, I really, like I've read some stuff, but I'd really like to know. Like, what's that look like in your family? Or how long has your family been Buddhist? Or which is probably as long as we've ever known. Asking these questions gives you gives you an insight. And at some point in time, if you're having spiritual conversations, they're going to ask you that too. And you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to hammer them with everything. Um, it's a genuine belief. And, and you can listen to them without agreeing with them. You know, that's really interesting. You know, we hold a different view, but I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, that, well, that helps me understand why you do that. Or, you know, just any kind of question. And if it's one of those things where you've tried to have spiritual conversations often enough and they've been forced often enough that the people just like automatically have their guard up anytime you get try to get spiritual with them, uh, then I would start with an apology and just say, hey, Bob, all my examples are Bob. Hey, Bob, listen, I, I know in the past I've really tried to push my religion on you. And I just want to tell you, I am sorry about that. I do value your friendship. And and I'll be completely honest. I would love it if someday you became a, a believer. But I don't want to shove it down our throat. But I'd, I'd like to be able to talk about things that are spiritual without you thinking I'm going to shove it down your throat um, and without us having to be defensive about that. You know, and genuinely mean it. Because if you can't, what you're trying to do is manipulate somebody in the gospel and you're, you're, uh, the end goal may be good, but the means of getting there isn't the best. And there's better ways to do that. So those are all like tactical things you can do. I want to talk into strategic things. And this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like if you really want to be able to share with people this is this is what you have to be doing. Um, these are the things that will actually get it done. Okay, I think that's where we're going to leave off today. 
Next week, come back with us and we will talk about the strategic things and then we'll combine those back with the tactical. I hope this is helpful to you. Uh, It's one of those questions that I wish I had a real succinct answer to. Uh, It's an area that I'm continuing to grow in. I believe this is the right direction. Uh, If you have a disagreement, uh, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Uh, We can always all use... uh, use improvement in the way we share Christ. So, that's it for today. Go and make disciples.